welcome to Voices from the Collective, a podcast coming to you from the mouth of the East Coast in upstate New York. I'm your host, Ellie Pell. This episode is with Adrian McDonald, winner of the 2021 Leadville 100 miler. Adrian has been running competitively since high school in 2004. Since then, he's enjoyed competing in basically every event from the 4x4 on the track, which is actually the funnest event, to cross-country races and then road marathons. Upon moving to Colorado in the fall of 2016, he, of course, fell in love with running in the mountains. But it wasn't until um, COVID canceled the 2020 Boston Marathon that he decided to try a few trail races. In this episode, we talk about injury, setbacks, and what it felt like to be on the sideline for years. Adrian provides insight into playing the long game and somehow managed to maintain his love for running and self-improvement through those off periods. Though he did win the Leadville 100 miler, he also had another setback at the 2022 Black Canyon race this past February, and there was a short film made about it, so expectations were pretty high. Adrian is so humble and a complete student of the sport. I think you will enjoy getting to know this guy as much as I did. This episode is brought to you in part by my nutrition sponsor, Gnarly Nutrition. My ice cream habit has gotten a bit expensive lately, so I decided to shake it up by making a protein shake for dessert before I go to bed. Having a higher protein snack before sleep has been shown to boost recovery and repair muscles from training stress. I'm not really training so much right now, but I think having more nutrients in my diet is helping me recover from this summer's races, the heat, and all the things that we put our bodies through that we don't really think about. Gnarly protein powder is delicious, and it has ingredients my body can absorb and use. And bonus, I don't get overly full from drinking this before bed, which helps my sleep and digestion. I want you to try it too, so use the code TRAILSCOLLECTIVE, that's one word, for 10% off. Click my referral link in the show notes. All right, let's get in. Adrian McDonald, welcome to Voices from the Collective, um, coming to us from Brighton, Utah, right now. Uh, how are how are things going for you? Uh, good. I'm a little nervous for this race tomorrow. It's a Cirque Series race, um, and I think it's going to be really hard. <laughs> yeah. What's uh, so? Kind of describe what the Cirque Series is, or at least the Brighton race. What's the Brighton race? Um. So it's it's about 10k in distance and 3,000 feet of gain and loss, um, and then the first mile and the last mile are sort of a service road. But in between that, it's all pretty technical running. And there's like a quarter mile section of just crawling on rocks. Wow! Like, is so, this the most? Is this the first one you've done? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, for people that don't know the Cirque series is this, um, 
series of shorter races. They're like between six and seven miles, but they're extremely mountainous. And um, they're put on one of the sponsors of it is uh, Adrian and Mai's, uh, my, um, my, our sponsor uh, on running. And so uh, we have all, uh, a really great opportunity to go to some of these races this year. Um, there's, I think, a couple in Utah, maybe some in Colorado, uh, one in Wyoming, uh, one in Alaska. So uh, how many are you going to? Uh, I'm doing this one and then I'm going to Alaska in two weeks, which is really exciting. Yeah, I'm going to. Um, yeah. I'm not sure if I'm going to race it. We'll see how the, the good old body feels. Uh, we're still like, I'm not running consistently, so we'll see. Uh, I might run it. I don't even know if I'm going to run it. We'll see. But um, I'm going to go, so I'll get to cheer for you at least. Um, yeah. yeah, that's going to be, is that your first time to Alaska? Um, I went when I was like 10. My uncle was living there with my cousins and we did all these cool things and all I wanted to do was play the Sims on the computer with my cousins. So I went there, but I don't think I appreciated it. So, well, we'll we're going to get to appreciate it yeah. pretty soon. Um, I've heard a little bit about that race, uh, and how there's like actually ropes on the course, which might be good for me because I can be a little, uh, topsy turvy. So if there's ropes though, I mean, I can, I can do that. That's fine. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm hoping that this one will sort of prepare me for the Alaska one. Yeah, well, you describing it as the first mile and the last mile are on service roads, that actually might be good for you because you're pretty fast. So you can just get out ahead and then like be ahead of most of the field. And so then it won't be so hard to like navigate and then just send it at the end. You know, it's like nothing else yeah. to lose. Yeah, I think that's the plan. Um, so I kind of want to... Um, introduce like the audience to you, because I don't know if, uh, how many people, at least in the East coast, maybe know who you are, which it sounds crazy when we get to like the big event that sort of put you on the map. Um, but I guess we could talk about that, like why it wasn't. Yeah. Anyway. So why don't we start in the beginning? So, um, where did you grow up? So I actually grew up on the East coast. I grew up uh, in Westwood, Massachusetts, which is just outside of Boston. Oh, rad. So did you go up, grow up going to the Boston Marathon and stuff? Did you know about that? Um, yeah, I went to it. Um, yes, yeah, it's, it's like a big deal in that area. And you have school off that whole week. So if you're in town, you like go up and watch the race. It was probably, it's like a 15 minute drive to the course from where I grew up. Did you grow up running or did you do other sports? Um, so I really started doing track and field sophomore year in high school, but I had done a little bit. I did a track summer track club when I was in elementary school and an after school program in middle school, but it was uh, yeah, sophomore year in high school when I started track. So I don't really know too much about the, um, outside of Boston, like the, um, East coast track and field and road running scene. All I know is that it's a really, really big deal. So did you grow up in like a really big running culture? Um, I don't know. I wouldn't say that, but once I, so I went to college in Pennsylvania and then I moved back to Boston and that's when I really got involved with the whole like Boston USATF 
New England road running scene. I was with the um, Greater Boston Track Club. So can you explain that to me a little bit? I've heard of that, but like, what is, is it like a sponsored team or is it a little bit of help for you guys? Cause I know it, it does. It's like a, it's a development kind of program, a li- like a little bit. I mean, it sort of gives promising athletes something to, um, I, I, some community, but also like help with workouts maybe. Yeah. Can you explain what that was like? Yeah, um, so most of the the people on the team had like run in college, um, probably mostly at the D3 level. And we had track workouts Tuesday nights and then some, some would meet Thursday nights and then there were like long runs on the weekends and we'd go to races together. Um, and as for like support there, there was one year when we had a Saucony sponsorship and I got some shoes out of that. And then mostly it was just, they'd pay for race entries if the club was focusing on a certain race. So did you all do the same race? So the, the club would focus on the USATF um, New England Road Grand Prix. So there'd oh, be okay. like, yeah, and then they would always go to um, club cross country nationals and you they'd sort of give you travel money for that too. So why did you decide to join that club? Um, so at the time when I was like looking around at the clubs in Boston, I was doing a um, AmeriCorps year in Lowell, Massachusetts and Greater Boston had the practices that started the latest in the evening. So it's the only one I could make. (laughs) So that's sort of why I joined. But um, so what is it? What's America? What uh, did you do for AmeriCorps? Like, can you, can you explain that? um, Yeah. AmeriCorps is like the domestic Peace Corps. So if people know what the Peace Corps is, um, just like a year of service. And I was at a youth center that was, um, serving kids who were, they were high school and college age who had dropped out of high school or a gang or criminally involved. And I was the athletics coordinator. So I um, put on like programs for like, we had a basketball team that I coordinated and a healthy bodies program. And then we had other enrichment activities that I helped with. Um, What did you study in college that led you to do that? Um, Economics. Oh, okay. (laughs) So that was, yeah, unrelated. Uh, But, you know, I I listen to the podcast Freakonomics a lot, and it's really interesting. And I have also read like all their books. And though I really don't think I would fit in well with economists just because like, no offense, I kind of think they're assholes, but the, um, podcasts in the books are really, really interesting. And I, so I can definitely see like, it does flow into many different areas, even in my life. when I'm like the furthest away from, uh, economics, like it's a very wide field. Yeah. And so I guess the way I got into that sort of athletics coordination was like, Uh, they wanted me because I had coached a year at my college after I graduated. So I had some like experience doing 
like working with kids and things like that. So did you run in high school and college? Yeah. Um, so yeah, in high school, I did soccer in the fall and indoor outdoor track. And then I went to Gettysburg College in Pennsylvania and went running full time. Okay. Um, and so what, what was your experience like in college that did you like that made you want to keep doing it after college? Um, I just improved. I was always like improving. Um, it's kind of funny. I won the track teams most improved twice while I was in college. So I just thought that there was a lot more in me to, um, to keep trying to run fast. Um, so is there, what is it about improvement that just kind of, you know, I, I mean, I agree, like it sort of draws you into this, like you running is something that's very, like, if you really put in the consistent work and, um, are lucky without injuries and, you know, you usually can't and be smart. You usually like the progress is pretty linear until you hit like your plateau. Um, so what attracted you to that? Yeah, it's just like the, the coolest feeling in the world when you, your body does something that you never thought it would be able to do before. Um, so I have like a few moments where I've had that and I just wanna have more of those cause it's, it's such a cool feeling. Uh, can you describe like before ultra running, like in track yeah. or in road running, um, a moment where you had one of those? Um, so I guess the first one I had was the like state divisional track meet my senior year. Um, and I was running the mile and I was just sort of there to participate, but the top four moved on to the state, state meet. And I had no, I was just like glad to be there. And then I sort of ran really well and I, passed a couple of people in the last 100 and got the fourth spot and ran a five second PR. It wasn't, it was 440, which was like pretty good, but nothing like crazy, but it was still like way more than I had ever, like I hadn't broken five minutes going into that year. Um, so that was probably like the first time I had that feeling of like, whoa, what the heck did I just do? And then you coached for a year, so. Uh, how did that, how did your skills like as an athlete translate to being a coach? Um, so I guess that one year coaching and at my college, I was, I really didn't like it. Um, it was Gettysburg is a, it's a pretty small town and I love going to school there, but once I had graduated, um, the only friends I had left were the kids on the team that I was coaching. So I, I needed a little bit of like social separation from them. And then I just thought I was more influential as a senior on the team, like going out and running with the, the younger kids than um, I was as a coach because there just wasn't as much time spent with them. I'm kind of curious about how coaching a team of collegiate athletes works because I, to me, each athlete is different, so they respond to different things, but I'm also assuming that if you have like 
20 to 30 kids on a roster, it's hard to like individualize a training plan for each of them. So in your experience as an athlete, and then as a coach, how do coaches do that? Um, so I've also coached at a couple different high schools, so, um, I can pull from that too. Um, but yeah, it is, it is difficult because you want, you want to have like a cohesive team, but like the way running works, like everyone has their own pace that they need to run, um, every single day. Um, and so I think the best way to do it is sort of just give the kids of like the flexibility on some days to go and run their own pace, but then, um, I don't know, like things like a cool down after a workout or a race, I think it's really good to have everyone sort of running together then and they can sort of de-stress together and talk about the race and um, what went good, what went bad, things like that. Do you still keep up with the track and field, like world championships? Like, cause they're, they're going on right now. So yeah, you got to get this over with (laughs) so we can watch the, I know we got to watch Ollie and and, uh, Alicia, you know, they're our representatives. Um, after college, did you stay doing some track races or did you sort of graduate to doing more road? You said you did cross country. Um, like with the team, with the greater Boston track team, but that's a little bit longer. So did you find yourself naturally graduating to longer distances? So, um, I was a 1500, 800 runner in college and I wanted to keep doing that after college. And I ran 412 for the mile and I really wanted to break 410. So that was sort of my goal. Um, but I was just, for the first three years out of college, I was, I had this sort of growing hip, lower ab injury that um, really kept me from running. I couldn't, I couldn't sprint. So it was hard to do 1500 meter training and I couldn't run. How fast. did you get that injury? Um, so when I was coaching at Gettysburg, I told you I didn't have like any social circle. And so I tried to um, befriend the coaches of the other sports and they would play indoor soccer every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And so I, I was like doing my own running training and then playing indoor soccer two or three times a week. And I think that's what, um, it was just like too much stress on my body. And then why do you think it took so long for it to heal? Uh, cause I was stubborn <laughs> at the, um, at that time, I don't know, in college, I was never hurt. And in high school, I had like a bad experience with physical therapy where it like didn't help. Um, and so eventually after three years of sort of trying to run through it, I went to a doctor and he connected me with a really good physical therapist and, um, while I was like going through that whole process, I asked him if I could run a marathon because the workouts would be slower. Uh, and he's like, sure, you can do that. And so um, that's how I started 
like get into mar- uh, road marathons was like working through. What was it like injury. to be chronically injured for three years? Um, like, why did you keep trying? I mean, I, I, I admire yeah. you for the perseverance, but why did you just, why did you keep, if you're in pain, you know, like, and what, uh, what made you keep going in the sport? Um, I don't know. I just like always had, like, I was like chasing that, that feeling of doing something that I never thought my body could do before. And then I just thought it would be that much better if I could do it after going through, um, that period of being injured and running, not being very fun and, um, not running fast. What are some things that you did during that time to maintain your sanity? Um, Cause after a while you're like yeah. getting, if you're, when, when you're out for a while, like it just gets frustrating. Like, and sometimes, you know, I, you do feel like, what is the point of this? But somehow we keep going and we press on and we figure it out eventually. Um, but what's it like in those moments? Um, so one that one of those years was the year I was doing AmeriCorps and I got like really invested in that and um, worked like really hard at being the best AmeriCorps volunteer I could be. Um, and I don't, I had never really done that with like a job or school before. Maybe um, my like, junior year in high school, I had another injury and I like did much better in school that year because I just focused on it. Um, So yeah, that was one one way was just sort of, while I was mostly running through that year, I just really focused on something else. Do you find that your personality um, or what you like to do is more focus and get good on one thing or more be sort of multi-talented in many different areas? Um, so I do like to do a lot of things and like keep myself busy, but I think it it's hard to really have more than one thing that's like at the top of my priorities. And how do you decide what that thing is? Um, I guess just whatever I'm most passionate about at the time. And so, what, what would you say it is right now? Uh, definitely the running. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So was on your first sp- professional sponsorship? Um, I, well, I signed with ultimate direction a couple of weeks before I signed with on, but yeah, I had no, besides like a little bit of gear and stuff from like running clubs and shoe stores. Yeah, that was the first sponsorship. So before we get to ultras and such, um, let's talk about marathoning because I come from marathoning as well. Um, how, how long did you, I guess, so when you found out that you were probably fine to marathon train, 
Um, what was it like training for something that long? Did you find your mileage? Did your mileage change or, uh, how did you structure things differently? Um, so first I like sell, I decided to self-coach myself, which I had never done before because, um, with all like the injuries, I thought I was like putting all this like stress on my family and coaches that I didn't really, I just wanted to be my thing for a little bit. Um, and it was also the winter in Boston and I was working. So it was all, all my training was like early in the morning. Um, and I would, for my workouts, I would just run over to the indoor track at Harvard and just sort of run laps and laps and laps in there, um, which sounds pretty crazy. Like I've done 10 mile tempo runs on the Harvard indoor track, which is rough 80 miles. Um, but I like, I really enjoyed the training. It was much less stressful than middle distance training. Um, like training for 800s and 1500s, like you do one rep and then like you already have to worry about the next one and how much that's going to hurt. And for like marathon training and long tempo runs, it's like, oh, I'll worry about this hurting in five miles or something. Um, mm -hmm. It's easier it to get into a rhythm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I like, I like the marathon training right away. And so when was your first one? Um, it was April, 2014. And it was in, it was in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, where I'd gone to college. Um, and it was a small little marathon. It was probably the third or fourth year they had done it. Um, and I won it, which was really cool. Um, I had my, I think my goal going in was to run like 240. Um, and what did I do? I ran the first half and maybe 117 or something, which was right on that pace. And I was three minutes back. And then I ran the second half in 113 and passed the leader with less than a mile to go. So it was like perfect race. I ran much faster than I thought I would. And that was like another one of those moments, like what the heck did my body just do? Yeah, I had one of those at my PR at Hartford too. I was like, did that just really happen? Like, oh my God. Um, so crossing the finish line, you finish first, you surprise yeah. yourself with your time. So what's going through your head then? Do you think like, maybe I could be, uh, like an elite marathoner or, I mean, we all have like, I think stretch goals or dreams or things that like you might never have imagined, but then you get some success and that like, that, like that could never happen to me comes like a little closer. Um, yeah. and so what were you thinking after you crossed the finish line and finally processed that first race? Um, so yeah, my time was 2.30, 40 something. Um, so I didn't, I didn't like have any dreams of running sub 220 or making the Olympic trials at that point. Um, 
but I could definitely said, oh, like I'll easily break 230 in my next marathon. I'll find one that's more competitive, that's flatter. Um, I'll be able to, because I had done that training on mostly just tempo runs because um, I was sort of coming back from that injury. So I'd be able to add in more speed work. Um, so yeah, I was like really excited about marathoning and I don't remember if I had a time goal in mind, but I definitely um, was just excited to break 2.30. It's interesting to hear you say that because I think after I ran my marathon PR, I was just like, told myself, enjoy this. Cause you might never be this fast again. <laughs> like it was, that's what went into my mind. And I think that's, that's, it sometimes can be common in like, I also thought like, oh, maybe I could go faster, but a lot of it was like, wow, I can't believe I just went that fast. I don't know if I'll ever be able to do that again. But I, I, and I feel like that might be more of a, a female thing. Like I never hear men ever, like maybe they do think it and they just don't voice it. Or maybe they just, they just don't think it like, wow, I can't believe I did that. Like, uh, you know, uh, that might be it for me or something. Um, do, do you, do you feel that way ever? Like, oh man, I don't know if I'll ever go faster than that again. Yeah. So yeah, that was just my first marathon. And then it took me. I don't know, 2019 until I actually broke 230. And I did that in Houston. Um, and then, which is January. And then in June, I went to grandma's and I ran 225 in that race. I had that feeling like, oh man, this was like perfect weather. Um, I ran a perfect race. I don't know if, if I'll ever be able to, um, run that fast again. So what was it like during that five years, like trying to break 230? Did you just like, um, we're still learning, not have great days on races or what was going on? Um, so one, the next one I did was the following year at Vermont city in Burlington. And that one, um, I don't ever, I've never really figured out what went poorly in that race, but I ran 235 or something. Um, and then I ran Boston three years in a row and 2016 was 70 degrees, 2017 was 70 degrees. And then 2018, I had a really good race, but it was that year of the hurricane and the rain and the big headwind. So I think I just sort of was unlucky with weather for a lot of those. Yeah. And I think that the marathon distance is probably the hardest race to like get a good day and have everything come together. It's really, really difficult because at least with ultras, like it's time is a little bit meaningless sometimes in, in them. It's a lot about like where you place based on how the conditions were, how like things went. Um, but with marathons, it's like, okay, this is a road. So it's Mm -hmm. like the conditions are, you know, it's, it's just hard to nail it, I think. And, um, you know, I think that might be why it, older, not well, um, thirties to four thirties and like 
yeah, in that time is kind of when women and men start to like have good races is because it just takes a while and you kind of have to get a little bit lucky on the day. Right. Um, yeah. And so then, yeah, Houston and grandma's, I just sort of, I finally had two good days and was able to drop a bunch of time, like two good weather days. So after grandma's that's 2019. So, um, what were your plans after that? And did the pandemic alter anything for you? Yeah. So I was signed up and training for Boston again in 2020 when the, um, the pandemic hit. And so I, because I was pretty fit, um, I wanted to like use that for something. So, and I had moved out to Colorado, um, 2016. So I'd been there a few years. Um, and in Fort Collins, there's this local, um, trail system, uh, in a county park called Horsetooth. And there's a time trial route that a lot of the trail runners do to, um, sort of test their climbing called Towers Road. And I decided it's 3.4 miles and 1700 feet and it's a service road. So it's not technical at all, but I decided to go after the, um, the fastest known time on that. And so that's when I really got into trail running was sort of preparing to like translate my fitness from the road marathon to trying to get that, um, the fastest time on towers. Did you get the fastest time? Um, so I missed it by one second. And then I was like, okay, that's fine. I'll come back in a couple of weeks. I'll taper. Um, and then it was like two or three days after I had missed it by one second, Justin Grunewald came into town and knocked a whole minute off it. Um, and so I tried again a couple of weeks later and I did beat the old record, but I was still a minute off Justin's time. Mm. Well, you know, that's what, it's what happens, you know, new dad. So, um, so when did you decide to do an ultra marathon? Um, so I had signed up for one, I think in 2018 and I got a stress reaction. So I didn't do it. Um, and I had actually one, I think it was in December of 2017, I just went out for a 30 mile run. Um, but so that summer of 2020, I'm like, I think I might be good at, um, hundred miles. Like I wanted to do Leadville. Um, I thought I might be good at it cause I had run well at Mount Evans, which is a race up a 14er, a road race. Um, and so then I sort of, I decided to do one of the Leadville qualifying races in Austin, Texas, which I, um, which was in November of 2020. And how did that go? What race was it? It's called the Austin Rattler. It was 
66K, so about 40 miles. Okay. And what were the major differences you noticed between doing marathons and doing ultras? Um, so I guess the other part of it is I had for about a year at that point, I had had um, a coach, uh, Andrew Epperson, who is now, he just got promoted to head coach at Colorado State. So that's exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, and no, I guess it had been two years that he'd been coaching me. And I'm like, hey, Andrew, I want to, I'm going to do this ultra marathon on the trails. Do you want to coach me for it? And he didn't have any experience with ultra marathons or trail running or anything. He's like, sure. Um, and so the training for it was like pretty similar to what we had done for road marathons. Um, I just added in a bunch of trail running and uh, vert on mostly on like my long run on the weekends and my midweek long run on Wednesday. Then I'm take it. Yeah. And then you sign up for Leadville. And so, and then what does your coach still keep coaching you or do you change something? Um, so I wanted, I wanted like a more positive experience before Leadville at an ultra. So I, and I wanted to sort of run a little bit longer. So I signed up for the uh, Antelope Island Buffalo run 50 miler, which was uh, March of 2021. Okay. Um, Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And so I did that, that I won that. It went really well. I had a great day. Um, And so I left that with like, I'm like, all right, I can, I can do this. And I can, I think I can double the distance and sort of, um, I think I know what I'm doing now. So what, cause I'm trying to learn this. So this is mostly a selfish question. Yeah. Um, what did you change in your training that made the 50 miler go better? And then also like, spoiler alert, you crushed the hundred miler. So what do you think in terms of training you changed that made it feel and go better? Um, I don't think there was, we didn't change much in training, but, um, I think a lot of it was at the race in Austin. Um, and this sort of same thing happened in uh, black Canyon earlier this year, but I just sort of got too worried about the competition and I didn't, um, I have this thing where like, I think if the race is going to be fast, I don't drink enough water because I don't want to have to like stop and pee a whole bunch. <laughs> so that, I think that was one of the things that happened in Austin. And so for Antelope Island, I just hydrated myself better and same with Leadville. But then you didn't at Black Canyon. Yeah. Well, well you know, at least, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, so for training, did you do like a lot of back-to-back long runs? Um, did you do doubles? Did you like, what, what was it like? Um, for, for Leadville? Well, you said or, training didn't really change that much. Yeah. So I'm assuming it was the same. Yeah. So I do, um, I get up to like 90, hundred miles a week. Um, 
and for like Antelope Island, wasn't too mountainy, so I tried to get seven to ten thousand feet of vert a week. Then I bumped it up a little more for Leadville. Um, my long runs, I don't do too much over twenty miles, um, but we do do some back-to-back long runs. Um, and the way that's structured is like Friday would be sort of like a road marathon workout like with 10 to 12 miles of tempo running and then Saturday will be and those are like 16 to 20 miles and then Saturday's like 20 22 miles but in the mountains sort of time on feet Um, even for 100 yep so you didn't do that many like four or five hour runs um the longest I did for Leadville was um, Cloud Peak up in, which is in the Bighorns in Wyoming. And I think it was 22 or 23 miles, but it took six hours because it was a lot of hiking. Um, but yeah, I guess outside of that, I probably didn't do much over five hours for Leadville. Are you practicing nutrition on all of your runs? Um, only usually only on the long run. Okay. And what's like your nutrition strategy? Um, I just do for Leadville. I had this plan of, um, it would be like gels and gummies. And then I had tortillas with peanut butter and jelly. And I was just going to eat every 30 minutes. I have my watch buzz. Um, I didn't, I had some like stomach issues at the start of Leadville. So I cut out the peanut butter and jelly tortillas and mostly was just, or pretty much from mile 45 on, all I did was gels and gummies every half an hour. I would love to be able to do gels for that long. You know, maybe someday my stomach will get there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we're at Leadville and, yeah. um, I really, I have to say, I don't think you got your due because there was like a celebrity in the race that got third and somehow third is the new first. I don't really know, but, um, you won and Matt Flaherty got second and then he, Anton Krupitschka got third. So, you know, it's the return of, of Tony. Well, anyway, you won. And so I kind of want to go through that race. You know, it's your first hundred mile race. You have like celebrity behind you. And then also Matt Flaherty, who is very, very good. And you did say you get a little bit nervous with competition. So what did you do during that race to quell those nerves? Um, so I guess I, so I wasn't even really. I didn't think Anton would do that well as he did, um, which so it was pretty, I was like pretty impressed with his race. Um, and it was like kind of a cool story that he hadn't like finished a ultra in years. Um, but yeah, I wasn't really focused on him at the start. Um, it was like Cody Reed and Tyler Andrews that I was sort of thinking, um, I think they were both, had mentioned going after the course record. Um, and they sort of 
took off at the gun. Um, and I sort of was just sort of focused on myself and um, going up Hope Pass, I caught up to Cody and then I caught up to Tyler um, just at the bottom of Hope Pass the first time. And I ran with him and then I finally took the lead right before the turn to go up Hope Pass the second time. Um, and that's like when I went into lead, I'm like, oh shoot, what am I doing? Uh, I'm like leading Leadville 100. Like this isn't, this wasn't my goal for today. Um, and at that point I had seen Anton and Ian Sharman and they had, they've both won multiple times and they both looked really fresh. Um, Tyler was like in pretty rough shape at that point. So, um, yeah, when I took the lead, I'm like, all right, I'm sort of all in now. Like, I'm either gonna go win this thing or I'm gonna make a fool out of myself in my first hundred. <laughs> but I was like, I was still pretty confident at that point that I had uh, measured my effort right and that I was gonna do really well. So you cross the finish line and kind of like that marathon what was going on in your mind? Were you like, wow, I'm actually at this top tier right now. And I didn't know I didn't, you know, you hadn't really had a breakout race yet. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's funny. Like you, I had like a, like I pretty much knew I was going to win the last 13 miles of the race. Um, and then, and I was like thinking about, um like how like cool it was to do this and I was really trying to like soak it in and enjoy the experience um and then I cross the finish line they like give me a bottle of champagne that I pop and then they stick a microphone in my face and I like I had no idea what to say um and um and then I got pretty sick afterwards so um but it was like a cool a cool moment like in the medical tent with like oxygen up my nose um with like my crew and pacers just sort of like having like time together um it was like pretty peaceful yeah i had a similar experience after bandera like there wasn't we sort of ended up leaving the finish line pretty quick because there wasn't any food and my friend riley was really hungry because they had just run too but it was really just like riding back in the car and then being at the Airbnb with them just like eating, but it was very peaceful and just yeah. taking it in. Like I'll take that over any celebratory, like big party ever. Like that was yeah. just such a special time. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Like that's who you like want to celebrate with is like the people that were with you all day. Mm -hmm. Um, so you win Leadville, you are signed by ultimate direction and on, and then you're going to black Canyon. Yeah. And we sort of have alluded that it didn't exactly go how it, you planned. Um, and so what is it like, you know, being, um, you're kind of newer on the scene and you did have high expectations for black Canyon and it didn't go how you thought. So what's it, you know, but I think a lot of professionals 
all professionals deal with this. And it seems like to the outside eye that it would be like heartbreaking or something, but the real professionals are people that like, you know, okay, this happens. It wasn't my race and I'll come back from it. So how were you able to, what did you take away from black Canyon and have you been able to bounce back? Um, yeah, um, I think it was, well, so at black Canyon, I knew halfway through that it wasn't going to be my day. So I sort of had 50 K of time out running where I can like, sort of like process and, um, sort of like think about what I had done wrong. Um, and one thing that sort of, I don't know, I really wanted to do Leadville again. Um, last summer was like one of the best summers I've ever had. Like the first real summer where I like went into the mountains every weekend. And, um, I don't know, usually when I, when I'm approaching a big race, um, I'm like counting down the weeks till I can start tapering and till the race comes. But last summer, it's like, I don't want this training to end. It's so fun. Yeah. Um, I felt the same way this past training cycle. Yeah. And so that was what I was just sort of like, it would have been cool to do Western States, but then I also wanted to like, you know, if you do Western States, then you're like recovering all summer. Um, and I can't go into the mountains as much. So mm-hmm. I think just having Leadville as a backup plan sort of got me over it and I had something to look forward to. Mm-hmm. So you are, you are training for Leadville. Yes. Yep. And that's the A goal. Yep. Well, it's going to be pretty awesome to watch you do that again. Um, cause now you're like not the dark horse anymore. So, yeah. uh, it's going to be great and you're going to do awesome. Um, well, I don't want to take you too much more of your time because, uh, you have, uh, a new style of racing to test out tomorrow and see how you do. Yep. So, um, to end these, I'd like to play a little game called ideal aid station. Are you ready to play? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So you're coming to, you know, hope pass at Leadville and this aid station has ever assuming your stomach can handle it has everything you want. Um, so what sweet snack is waiting there for you? Um, this is something that I like think is going to help me run well. Uh, it doesn't like, it doesn't matter like either. Yeah. It goes down or like, it's just something you're like, Oh yeah, I just want it. Um, I don't know. I've never, I only had it in black Canyon when things have started going poorly. Usually I'm like pretty self-sustainable and I'm just sucking down gels and, um, but just like cold water mountain. Okay. Yeah. That's really good. good. It's summer. Um, yeah. Salty snack. Yeah. Um, I guess I really like peanut butter. I uh, like, yeah. So I carry sometimes those packets of Justin's peanut butter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the ones with like a little bit of honey in it. That's mm-hmm. sort of my. I guess that's after my own heart, peanut butter is my favorite food. So, um, hot food. Um, I don't think I 
I've never like tried anything hot while running. So, um, jeez, gotta have to get you into a cold ultra at some point. Yeah, broth it just hits differently. (laughs) Um, sports drink. Um, probably just Gatorade. Mm -hmm. You have a flavor. Uh, whatever flavor blue is. (laughs) Yeah, blue dye number six. Yeah. Uh, um, non-sports drink. Um, just water, I guess. That's mostly what I do. Water is so good. After Western States, I was like, water is the best beverage. That's all That's you need. Good. Piece of gear. Um, piece of gear. Um, so I really like the, the ultimate direction. Um, I think it's the utility belt. It's pretty. Then do you carry handhelds? No, I don't. Um, but the utility belt, you can stick two water bottles in there. It's pretty. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, back when I was doing road races, there was a picture that was taken and I was carrying um like a glove that I had taken off because I gotten warm and you could see like the whole like my whole arm and neck was all tensed up just from holding a glove oh, okay uh, so ever since then I've been like I don't think I should be carrying anything if I want to be like running relaxed um oh, yeah I see that no the smart all right yeah. uh this one might be hard for you (laughs) get the sense um celebrity to meet you at the aid station so they don't need to be a runner they don't need to be alive Uh, i can't be like your family or friend like that you know um yeah someone like a celebrity at the aid station um this is actually easy definitely tom brady tom brady okay okay why um i don't know he's just amazing it's true he's one of the greatest yeah. of all time and i'm sure he'd be like a really good motivator and uh i guess bill belichick would be a second that would be sort of that could be interesting too yeah no those great answers i like lo- yeah i mean i'm glad it's not a famous runner like i get a lot of those i'm like come on guys yeah <laughs> no i think it would be awesome to run with tom brady uh, if he, yeah, I would, and I'm assuming he could run an ultra marathon like that man, like yeah. somehow he would do yeah. it. <laughs> um, well, the- thank you for joining me tonight, Adrian. Um, before we go, where can people find you and say hello online? Um, so on Instagram, I'm McDonald Adrian and it's MAC. So just last name, first name. And then I'm also on Strava. Um, you can just search Adrian McDonald. Again, it's MAC. Um, and those are sort of the two, only two social media platforms I use. All right. Well, thank you for joining me tonight, Adrian. Good luck tomorrow. Yeah, have fun. Thank you. And uh, who knows, maybe like you have a hidden talent or maybe you're just like, dang, this is fun. I'm just, I'm going to keep it up. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully it's fun. Um, it will be, it will be. Yeah. And I'll see and you in Alaska. Yeah. That's going to be awesome. All right. Have a good night. You too. Bye. Bye.
for listening to this episode of the Trails Collective Podcast. Isn't Adrian great? He's definitely somebody that you can tell thinks deeply about things and has a lot to share. But I guess a couple years of injury would probably cause me to think deeper too. If you want to follow me, uh, I'm at Gazelli on Instagram and Twitter, or you can follow the Trails Collective on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and hey, check out our live show. It's a pretty good time. Uh, all links mentioned in the show will be in the show notes. All right, guys. See you out there.